Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the name of the book, his latest, is Wish It Lasted Forever Life with the Larry Bird Celtics, a legendary sports writer writing about legendary. Uh, a legendary team and uh, just an era that seems so long ago now. Dan Shaughnessy is our very special guest. He's absolutely great. Everything he writes is just is, is must read, uh, whether it's columns, books, whatever. But uh, Dan, thrilled to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on, Frank. I've got to believe this was a labor of love. I, I got to, uh, you know, I know I don't want to minimize the work, but this this has to be something that you were you would really enjoying doing, I assume. Well, thank you, Frank. I was, yeah, I was the beat guy for the Celtics when Bird was MVP three straight years in the '80s. You know, came into Boston with a rookie with Magic and kind of turned the league back uh, in a good direction. And during the pandemic, I mean, a lot of stuff came out of the pandemic, Frank. And so, you know, people thought there were going to be babies born nine months later. And I say, no, you're going to get books a year, year or two later, because everybody was home all that time. And you, you're watching TV. There were no games at the beginning of this, made, made shows like this hard to do. And during that, you know, we had the last dance on every Sunday night. People were setting their watches by that, seeing the Jordan Bulls in the 80s and 90s. And then... Locally in Boston, we'd have like Celtics classics from the 80s showing the Celtics, you know, kicking butt when Walton was here and Bird and Parrish, McHale. And I was the beat guy for the Boston Globe on, on those teams. And it was, I've been telling those stories in bars for 30 years, but it was a different world, Frank. We, we traveled with them, we lived with them, we flew commercial, waited for bags, hotel lobbies, hotel bars late at night. And we sat right next to the bench. Those seats that now go for five grand a game. They would waste those on the on the lowly media back in the day. So we had tremendous access, and you could hear everything. We were with them all the time. It was a lot of bust, you know, busting chops and back and forth. And they called me Scoop. Larry Bird say, Scoop, do you notice how quiet the room gets when you walk in here? And he was right. They didn't quite trust me, but we had a lot of fun with it. So this is a way for me to hop in the time machine, go back and tell those stories from, from the 80s and we're trying not to promote the book as the game was much better then than it is now, but I kind of do believe that, and and uh, revisiting some of this stuff was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I, I've got to believe that uh, things that you heard on that bench you wouldn't be hearing now, uh, political correctness being what it is, and also the, but by the way, the 24-hour um, media circuit wasn't even created yet. Now we're in a day-by-day, in, in a day, minute-by-minute social media uh, type time zone. Uh, how much different was it then as far as covering everything? And people were waiting for your column to come out to hear information. Much different than it is now. Right. I mean, they, you know, they, the teams relied on the coverage in the newspapers. Newspapers mattered then. It had a lot of uh, a lot of pop and people cared about it. Whereas now, it, you know, the, the players can interact with their own fans, social media, go direct, eliminate the middleman. Etc. And the moat has gotten very wide between the players and, and the media because they don't need us anymore. And I understand that. But back then, it was the closeness. They cared about what we wrote. It, it mattered. And we had this tremendous access. I noticed when, when the COVID bubble, when they did start playing in 2020, they're down there in Orlando. And if you went to do that, you had to sign a waiver saying you'd never approach anybody if you saw them away from the gym. And that's just where we did all of our work was away from the gym, you know, being around it and covering. So 
today's writers, you know, you're not going to be able to tell the readers what Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum's like, but we could tell you what Larry Bird was like, what Dennis Johnson was like, because we were with him all the time. So it's totally nobody's fault. It's evolution. That's just the way we covered him then. And there was a we had a real voice in the coverage that, that mattered to the players and to the readers. Did you have any indication that Danny Ainge would be the type of executive or uh, would have the life after uh, the court that uh, that he would have? You know, it's interesting because, you know, Red, Red liked Danny a lot. Red teased him about the whole Mormon heritage, and he'd say, Danny, how many wives you got and all that <laughs> stuff. And, you know, Danny Danny, be playing cards with, with uh, Mikhail and Bird, and, and Red walked by and say, hey, hey, Danny, isn't that against the religion rules? You can't be gambling with these guys. And, and Danny pointed Mikhail and, and Bird and say, Red, it's not gambling against these guys, and uh, go from there. And, of course, years later, Danny succeeds Red as the GM and makes a deal with Kevin Garnett in which he acquired uh, – he acquired Kevin Garnett for, from Kevin McHale and won a championship, you know, kind of creating, extending the legacy of the Red Auerbach Celtics. So all that non-gambling, whatever you want to call it, that Danny was doing with McHale paid off, you know, decades later when he got Garnett from the Timberwolves from McHale and, and won a championship. He was 18 years in Red's chair as GM here. He's kind of moved on, but he's still, he's still a voice heard. You could kind of see it, I think. Sometimes in baseball, you know, you see the bench guy is going to be a manager, Alex Cora type, Gabe Kapler type, you know, those guys. And, uh, and and he was one of those, you know, Danny was a good player, but he wasn't a Hall of Fame player like the other starters were. I, look, we want people to buy the book, and I'll, rem- uh, I'll remind everyone to buy two. Wish it would last forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Christmas coming up, guys. It's a must-get. Get two of them, one for yourself and one for your favorite basketball fan. Uh, it will be a treat for sure. Uh, without spoiling, without spoiling the book, uh, give us something about Larry Bird that you you think that is in the book that we wouldn't know. He was just, you know, he was he grew up poor. I mean, people know a lot of that, but there was a mystery about him that he didn't trust strangers. And it took me a while to get into the inner sanctum with him where he would trust you and he would tell you things. And, you know, like he was motivated like a lot of great athletes by older brothers. His older brothers were, were really good players, and he looked up to them. That's how he learned to shoot and rebound and the older brothers would say, hey, two basketballs fit through that hoop. There's no reason you can't get one through there. And, and, and he, he was all about work ethic. He would, he would carry the laundry to the laundromat with his mom, and there was an a, a outdoor court across the street. He'd work on that for hours. And he never lost that sense of being poor and how much uh, a dollar meant. And, and he'd carry this into professional basketball where he was taking our money. He was, uh, you know, he was playing shoot for money at practice and banking threes and taking your money if he made it and paying you if he didn't. And, and he, just, he just loved that world. He loved playing professional basketball. And, and then when he was done, he was done. Same thing with coaching. Three years, when he was done, he was done. He's a man of his word and, and went off into the sunset. So a lot, of, a lot of respect for him. And people around Boston, I can tell you, they love reading about him. He was MVP three years in a row. And you don't see that very often. And uh, just just a lot of fun along with it and, and a lot of mystery and hardship in his life as well. So a very complicated guy, and it was a privilege to get to see him every day. Dan, this is a, a must-get. Uh, can you give us a website or a social media site where people could follow along with you? And, you know, I assume the best place to get the books is anywhere they sell fine books, Barnes & Noble and Amazon and so forth. Yeah, it's in the stores starting Tuesday the 16th, and uh, and it's, it's on Amazon. You go on that Amazon thing, you can order as many as you want. You get the audio book, get the Kindle, 
all that stuff, and it's it's available on all those platforms. I'm on Twitter at Dan underscore Shaughnessy, and and uh, there's stuff about it in there and whatnot. There was an excerpt in the Globe last week, and it's 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 a lot of fun. This book, Frank, it's a lot of fun. Dan, congratulations on everything, not just this book, but uh, what a career you've had. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks very much, Frank. You take care. Wish it would last forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics, a must-get, everyone. A, it's a book that captures the, the Boston Celtics, 1980s dynasty during a time and, uh, and place that professional sports and journalism, journalism uh, just isn't any longer. And uh, Shaughnessy's uh, terrific. If you've seen him on, on ESPN or any of, the, any of the TV outlets, you'll realize he's a throwback as well kind of a bridge to the modern era and the uh, and the career that he's put together is just tremendous. Uh, Boston sports columnist, but uh, he's he's uh, touched the world, that's for sure. And when, uh, it, when you started thinking about that, when you started thinking about, uh, about the Boston Celtic uh, dynasty or that Boston Celtic dynasty, you thought about uh, Dan Shaughnessy when you thought about the press. The, the the Bulls, for some reason, I think of Mike Green, you know, Greeny uh, from um, Golick and Greeny and, you know, that uh, th- that team there. But I, I, I always think of Mike Green when I think of the, the press that surrounded the Bulls. He was there early and it kind of launched his career or he launched his career off of that Shaughnessy is uh, is is very similar in that sense to uh, to, to Green uh, I think he's tied to this team forever all the Boston teams he's he's just a terrific quality classy writer and you know it's uh, he had he had a book out on Terry Francona uh, I think it was called Francona and the uh, also uh, he wrote the curse of the Bambino and he is, um, you know, big big time Red Sox uh, fan, and uh, and lives with his uh, his family in Boston. But he is all about Boston, all about Boston, and um, you know, maybe in some ways uh, Lupica, like Mike Lupica here in New York. And you think of Lupica when you think of the the Knicks. Unfortunately, we didn't have those championships that the <laughs> Celtics had. But you think about Lupica. When uh, when you think about uh, New York sports writing, and and you certainly think of Dan Shaughnessy as the uh, as, as the face of the the Boston media when it comes to when it comes to sports writing, just uh, absolutely tremendous career. The name of the book again, get it. Uh, wish it would. Uh, I'm sorry. Wish it lasted forever. How about that? Life with the Larry Bird Celtics, and you know you can get that book. Uh, it's, uh, it'll be out shortly. Order it now. Pre-order if you can for Christmas. Frank McKay signing off. Dan Shaughnessy has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.